Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Jackie Duval. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Tracy Eckert, co-founder and executive pastor of Storehouse, which is an apostolic organization and house of prayer that's committed to establishing worship and prayer in Dallas, Texas. Tracy trains leaders to be both kings and priests to bring the kingdom of God into every sphere of influence. Hi, Tracy. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Jackie. Thank you. It's my pleasure and such an honor. Thank you. I want to take you back to 1995. You were in Mexico and you were, uh, you were with your two daughters. You were brokenhearted. Your husband was an alcoholic, uh, committed adultery, very abusive. And you said to God, if you will save me, I'll give you the rest of my life. And you were trying to escape to America and you were able to escape to America and with your daughters. And uh, in 1998, you married John, who you're married to now. Uh, and uh, you blended your six children together. And uh, in 1999, you heard the audible voice of God. And at that time, um, you were only going to church as behavioral management for your six uh, teenagers, but, and you had never heard the voice of God before. You didn't even know that God still would be speaking. Uh, you were not saved. You had no grid for hearing the voice of God. What did God say to you at that time? Well, it was a very interesting day. Um, I was getting ready for work, and he said to me, rebuild my temple. Now, I had never read the Bible. so I, First of all, I knew it was the voice of God. Um, I heard it audibly, and it absolutely shook me and shook my reality. Wow. So... Over the, the next several months, um, actually the next few days, you heard the same thing, right? Every morning, God would wake you up and you would hear that uh, same thing every day. And uh, over the next several months, you had different intense uh, visions and revelations and prophetic dreams. Tell us about a few of those. Right. So after I heard uh, Rebuild My Temple, I sat there for two hours. I was supposed to be you know, going to work, but I sat there for a couple hours and I just couldn't believe it. I was, it's almost, uh, I would imagine it's what Paul must have experienced on the road to Damascus, a similar kind of encounter where, you know, I'm in the world of business and so I'm trying to make sense of everything, but I felt a real shift in what I know today to be my spirit and my mind was trying to grasp, but yet my spirit was kind of starting to stir and I'm thinking, what in the world? So I kind of shipped that off, and I thought, well, I need to get back to, you know, my life of doing business. And um, and so, but then the next day, and for the consecutive seven days afterwards, every single morning between my sleep state and my wake state, I would hear that voice rebuild my temple. So it was, it was definitely a change for me. Um, because again, I hadn't read the Bible. I didn't know anybody that heard from the voice of heard the voice of God. I didn't know God spoke. Um, you know, again, I was rarely going to church. I had an American view, uh, intellectual view of Jesus. 
but I had never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior and certainly had no interest whatsoever in the Bible or reading or hunger for Jesus. And so it opened up this whole, what I call today, like a revelatory season for me where I was seeing things in the spirit. Now, again, when all of this starts to transpire, I'm still not saved. So I started having uh, about after that first week, I started having these open trance visions where the Holy Spirit would come on me and I literally physically could not move. But yet everything would disappear in front of me. And I was taken into kind of a three dimensional scene that looked like a movie, but yet I was in it. I wasn't participating in it, but I could see everything in it. And so it was just really an incredible time. Um, I was seeing, I, I was seeing demonic angels. Um, I was, I was, all kinds of crazy things were happening around our house, and so it was. It was definitely a season where it was like, as my kids described, my mom went from zero to shofar overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me about that—the vision you had in 1999 of 9/11. Yeah, so um, the first vision that I had, I saw, um, I saw a scene of New York, and um, and I saw, you know, all the high rises. I saw angels and demons fighting over the city. Um, and when I say angels and demons fighting, uh, they had wings, um, and they had swords, and I saw them like a sword fight over the city, which was, you know, just pretty. It was such a dramatic scene. And then I saw planes, plural, and I saw um, explosions, and I I saw a man walk towards me. And so the scene kind of went down into a micro kind of, you know, it was kind of a macro scene, and then it was a micro scene. And I saw this this man, and he walked towards me, and stood he stood right in front of my face, and the skin, his skin was melting off of his face. I could see like the cavities of his eyes and I could see the bones in his face. I mean, and he was covered, his body was covered in what I thought was uh, like chemical warfare or something, but it, it looked like ash. And then he looked to the left and I looked at what he was looking at and there was this, this um, enormous pile of dead bodies and they were all covered in the same ash that he was covered in. And it was a very shocking thing to me because, again, you know, I'm, I've never cracked open a Bible. I think I had one from somebody that gave me a Bible like 15 years ago, you know, before that time. But it just sat on my shelf. You know, I thought, well, maybe I should keep this just in case. Um, and, um, and, and so I, after it ended, I had this knowing, and I didn't know how I knew it, but I wrote in my journal – there's something about September 11th. There's something about 911. And that was two years before it happened. So not only did I see it, but he gave me the date. And um, and so then, you know, just thinking to myself, what in the world is happening to me? And so then the next night, I went into another uh, similar, um, the Holy Spirit came on me in a similar, very dramatic and profound way. Again, I couldn't move. And I started crying because I knew that we were going to be attacked. 
in New York, and I knew it was a real thing. And so when the Holy Spirit came on me the second time, I didn't wait for like some sort of vision to happen. I asked a question, and I'm presuming that my question was led by the Holy Spirit. And I asked why. Why is this going to happen? And then I heard again the audible voice of the Lord. It's about Babylon. And I saw um, with my open eyes, I saw this pentagram, um, and it was on a uh, red velvet uh, uh, ribbon. And I saw a what looked like a dungeon or a, some sort of ancient place with a pentagram in in the floor, and it was like carved into the floor. But it looked like I was being taken into almost like a scene of some sort of occult thing. And then the the vision ended. Then I started uh, going in. And again, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know what Babylon was. And so I remember turning to my husband and I said, what's Babylon? And he said, oh, I think it's a tower. (laughs) (laughs) So there we were. You know, I mean, talk about, you know, a real life dumb and dumber. You know, it was like, what? What's happening? (laughs) So it was a crazy time. And then I started going into all of these, um, what I know today is prophetic dreams. And they were dreams that felt real. And I would hear the voice of the Lord in the dreams, you know, which again, I I had randomly dreamed in the past, um, but never anything like this. Like my dreams look like movies, you know, and, um, and again, I would hear the audible voice of the Lord. And the first one that was right on the heels of all of this is I saw... Um, the Statue of Liberty, and um, I saw it fall. And as it was falling, I heard the Lord say, you haven't taught your sons to battle, but I'm raising up a new generation. And so I saw in the place of the Statue of Liberty, this tree that went all the way up into the heavens. You couldn't even see the top of it, but I saw it being erected and raised up with these, these ropes and these, all of these young people, I mean, there were all different ages, but it was primarily young people. And they were pulling this tree up and they got this tree um, all the way stationed where the Statue of Liberty used to be. And they were, they had their hands on it and they were standing around it day and night. And so you had all of these circles of people and it was like, it looked like a sea of people surrounding this tree and it was generation after generation after generation young and old and they're all laying hands on each other on the people that were laying hands on the tree and so it just looked like this outward circle tree uh, around the tree um and on the on the tree was carved this heart and you know how you carve a heart in a tree like Mm -hmm. you're like you know tracy plus john or equals love you know or whatever but this was a heart and it was and it said in the center of the heart tree of life and again, not having read the Bible, I, I was like, I don't know what the tree of life is, you know. So I just wrote down the dream and um, thought, well, I don't know, really know what this means, but it obviously means something. Um, and so that's kind of how all of this started. And and then I just, uh, you know, my husband and I began to try to find um, a church or someone that could understand what was happening to me. So what happened there? What what did they teach you there at that at that church? Well, I went to one church. I went to the church that we used to go to, you know, 
And they, um, they did not believe, they don't believe that God speaks anymore and they don't believe in the prophetic. So you can imagine the look on the pastor's face as I was <laughs> telling him all of this. He was like, he looked like a deer caught in headlights. And, um, and he told me that it wasn't God that was speaking to me. He told me it was um, Satan that was talking to me and mm-hmm. I needed to rebuke the voice the next time I heard it. And, and again, you know, I didn't really know anything, but I, I knew something I knew the voice of my father you know I knew it was coming from a place called home and I don't know how I knew that I just had a knowing and I thought well this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because that's not Satan talking to me that's love talking to me and you know and since that time before the time I spoke to the pastor and I gave my life to the Lord and so things began to accelerate like a knowing began to accelerate in me and um so it was just really a precious time but then I had um I started having all of these dreams and all of these encounters and they just continued and it was very interesting because God was actually building um a story and and line upon line, precept upon precept over the years that followed. And um, and so he took me to a church where they began to teach me the word and they began to teach me um, Sojourn Church in, in Carrollton, Texas. Um, Susan and Terry Moore, my precious pastors, who are my precious pastors, uh, even to this day. And they began to teach me about just how to how to walk out the prophetic and um, not just about how to prophesy, but, you know, the character and integrity that go along with the prophetic and, um, and just began to teach me about the word and, and growing in the word. And so my husband and I, and we went through, you know, a lot of deliverance because I was, I was um, like 38, 39 when all of this started happening. So I had a whole history of, uh, you know, a lot of bags that had to get unpacked in my, in my heart. And so I spent a lot of time just getting, going through deliverance and, you know, and just letting go of a lot of ideology and, or, uh, or, um, idolatry, not ideology, but idolatry. So it was, it was such a good time. We spent nine years at that church. So, uh, the next dream that the Lord gave me, the next prophetic dream, which was a marker dream. And a lot of times God will give us marker dreams and we have to pay attention. A lot of dreams are for, um, to lead us and guide us and to help us. But this was a marker dream. And I knew that it was, that it was a defining dream for my life. And in the dream, I was pregnant and, um, and I remember, having problems with the baby and I, I needed to go to a specialist to help me save the baby because the baby was in danger. And so I went and got a sonogram. And when I got this sonogram, um, the doctor was saying that she could save the baby. And, um, and my husband, as I was, uh, was there with me and he said, um, who is the father of the baby? which is kind of an interesting thing to say, but um, who is the father of the baby? And I heard again, the audible voice of the Lord in the dream. The father is Zerubbabel. The father is Zerubbabel. The father is Zerubbabel. And, um, and then the dream ended. And so this is kind of an interesting thing because, you know, I'm a young believer at the time. I think I had been saved maybe two years and Zerubbabel is not, 
one of your top 10, you know, he's not on the top 10 list of characters in the Bible that anybody ever talks about. And so I, I thought to myself, I'm having Zerubbabel's baby. Who is this? You know? So the next morning I woke up and I was, I was actually very distraught because I thought to myself, you know, this doesn't, sound good you know who is this guy Zerubbabel and I had no clue I didn't know where to look I didn't know how it was spelled I didn't know how it you know I all I had was this the sound of this name and so the very next day God is so precious and he's so good I was actually doing a 30 day or 45 day uh, Chuck Pierce pray through Chuck's different scriptures you know every day you would have a different scripture and you would declare it and you would pray through it and that day, I actually was praying through Ezra 5.2. And Ezra 5.2 says, Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil and, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And, and this was so shocking to me because I was like, wait, what? Wait, Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple? And so I just kind of started connecting the dots. And I said, wait a minute. This was what God said to me, rebuild my temple. And so this is Zerubbabel who rebuilt the temple. But again, you know, this was like 2001, 2002. And I I didn't have any clue about how all of these pieces went together, but I knew that they were connected. Like these, I found two pieces of a puzzle that got connected but yet I didn't have any idea what the whole picture looked like. I just thought that's really bizarre. But I also felt like, and I told my husband, this is the call of God on my life. And I don't even know what it is, but it's so significant to me. And I feel like it's really significant to the Lord. So that's, that's kind of where I, I, uh, where I began this whole journey. It's crazy. Wow, that's amazing. And I and I love what you said in your book that, that Zerubbabel, he led the Jews out of Babylon and uh, and God is leading his church out of a spiritual Babylon right now in this generation. Talk a little bit more about that. Well, when um, when he said, again, he said a couple of things that were very interesting. He talked about, you know, he showed me 9-11. He said, rebuild my temple. Then he showed me 9-11. And then he, he said it's about Babylon. Um, so it's very interesting because you throw Zerubbabel in there, and it was Zerubbabel who uh, built the second temple and led his people, uh, led God's people out of Babylonian captivity. So it was it was interesting because you we know Moses who uh, who led the first Exodus, and we know. David and Solomon who built the first temple, but you've got this character, uh, this man who God raised up, Zerubbabel, to to uh, to do both, and so he really is a very significant person in God's timeline, and did some incredible historical things, and so he led them out of Babylon, and Babel means confusion. And um, and so he, there was a captivity. God's people had been taken captive by confusion. And I feel like even today, you know, in the rebuilding of God's temple, 
is what God is doing right now is he is he's pulling his people out of the captivity of the culture and even a cultural church which doesn't have any power and it also has been cloaked in confusion so there hasn't been a real truth that has set them free because it's the truth that sets us free so that was another element and then the, the other is is 9/11 what is this temple because is god looking to raise up uh, you know another uh, jewish temple is he talking about a jewish temple no is he talking about rebuild my church no he's he's saying rebuild a um an amos 9/11 and a hebrews 9/11 temple it is the temple that is not made with human hands, but it is the temple of God that is made by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God that dwells within man. This is the this is the rebuilt temple that he's talking about. Amen. And and you say as God's temple, we are um, to function as kings and priests. Explain that a little bit. Well, it was further on my journey. Um, as uh, I was trying to piece together, you know, a lot of this. And God, in his goodness, began to give me, he would give me encounters along the way. Um, and so one of, the, one of the encounters that I had was um, I, I laid down to take a nap, and I, one day, um, and this was early on, I think this was like in 2004, uh, no, 2002, I laid down to take a nap and I was um, taken up before I even went to sleep. I actually began to come up out of my body. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. You know, again, not having a grid for any of this, you know, it's just like I'm along for the ride going, well, I have no control over what's happening to me right now. But I get taken up out of my body. And, but my body is, is on the bed and I, and my spirit, goes up, but I'm with my spirit. And I don't know if this is what happens to you when you die or whatever, but I'm, I'm with my spirit and fully have, have my mind and I'm fully conscious of what's happening. And so as I get taken up, I find myself in heaven and I'm looking around and I'm in awe of what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing like I'm in a meadow and there are flowers, and, and it's like a, a rolling meadow with hills and tall grass that almost looks like wheat, but it's this beautiful tall grass, and there's streams of water that are flowing. So then Jesus walked up to me, and his face was like the sun, and so I couldn't see. All I could see was his body, and his face was like the sun, um, and he said to him, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I need to ask him a really good question, like something really important, you know? And so I'm participating, but again, the Lord is leading my questions. And so I said to him, what is that sound? And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's not a good question, but that's what came out of, you know, out of my spirit or out of my mouth in this encounter. And he said to me, that's the prayers of the saints. It gives life to everything that you see. And then he began to speak to me, and he began to tell me the most amazing mysteries in his word. And these words were discernible to my mind. And I'm thinking, this is incredible. I need to write this down, you know. And I'm thinking, but I can't move. My hands won't move. And um, then 
when he when he spoke, those words went. I could see them in the air. I'm understanding them, and then they went into my chest, like they went into my spirit, and they disappeared. And I'm thinking, no, wait. Uh, so then the last thing he said that I understood and took back with me, he said, in the days to come, worship is going to be very important. And then I was immediately back in my body. So all in all, he said this. He, we talked about two things. Uh, he talked about two things with me. He talked about prayer, and he talked about worship. And um, and so so as I began to go forward, um, the Lord actually told me uh, to build a house of prayer, and um, and it was something that I I actually didn't want to do. I loved the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I loved to go up there. I They were definitely my tribe. I found them. I was led by the Holy Spirit to go up there. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know uh, anything about them. But as I began to go up there, I began to see there was something so tangible and real about them. I mean, there it was it was like the difference of of knowing about God or knowing God. And these people knew God. And I'm like, and what they were saying was similar to what I was hearing from the Lord. And I just thought these this is my tribe. These are my people, this whole house of prayer thing. But I myself was like, I, I, you know, I don't think that this is something I can do. Again, I'm, you know, I've got seven kids at this time leading a, a pretty busy life. And um, so anyway, as I began to put all of this together and piece it all together, God said, rebuild my temple. Um, you know, he's talking about rebuilding us as living stones into a spiritual house to carry his glory like never before. I really began to research and to meditate on Zerubbabel. So I spent like nine years just eating the scroll and Ezra, Nehemiah, um, this rebuilt temple, um, Haggai, uh, Zechariah, and, and really fleshing it out. Because the question I had was this, why are you talking to me about an Old Testament temple and why is this significant for this generation? How does this apply? Because it's obviously something that is significant. He even sent in 2006 was a really big Zerubbabel year for us. He sent uh, several angelic encounters, and even Jesus himself came to prophets around the nation. These are known men who had these encounters with with uh, angels talking about Zerubbabel and the rebuilt temple of Zerubbabel that is coming. And uh, I even had another encounter with the audible voice of the Lord where uh, he just, it sounded like thunder. And he said, the truth begins now. And that was pretty significant to me because um, the plumb line in Zerubbabel's temple is the truth. And again, we're being taken out of Babylonian captivity. We're being taken out of confusion. Well, where, what are we being taken to? We're being taken to true worship. We're being taken to the truth. And all of a sudden, the blinders are coming off of our eyes, and we're beginning to see. Our ears are opening up, and we're beginning to hear. But we're not just seeing and hearing, but we're understanding. And that's so significant for what's happening right now. And especially when, you know, in 2015, fast forward to 2015, and Lance Wall now prophesied 
that the next president of America, the 45th president, uh, was going to uh, – Donald Trump was going to be like a Cyrus. Well, he says this, and you know, I've been meditating on the truth and the history and the word of God regarding Zerubbabel. Well, Cyrus was the king that opened up the way for Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple and, and for the people to leave Babylonian captivity. And I knew, I knew when I heard that, that it was time for God's people, there was going to be a, a massive exodus of God's people out of one condition and into another. And I knew the promises, you know, it's not just we're going to leave something that's held us captive, but it's the beauty of what he's about to take us into, which had me so excited. And so I had been holding on to this for a long time, and several people had prophesied to me, sent people that I didn't even know, and they didn't know me, um, to to um, my church and my house of prayer, telling me it was time to write this book. And um, so I had been semi-writing it, but you know anybody that's ever written a book really understands how difficult <laughs> writing a book is. And uh, you know, and so I spend the primary part of my time ministering to the Lord. And writing a book was not something that I really wanted to do. I, I just don't have time, you know, to do it. Again, I'm I'm a mom. I'm a homeschool mom. I'm I've got seven children and 13 grandchildren. So I've got a, and my husband has three businesses. So very busy people. And uh, we've got this growing ministry. But when I heard that about Cyrus, and again, this isn't a political thing. This is a God thing. You know, people look at this and they think Democrat, Republican, vote your values and all of this. I'm like, guys, we need to wake up and realize that there is a prophetic, there is, we are in God's prophetic timeline right now. And there is an enormous shift that's happening to the body of Christ. And we are being shifted into something that is historic and that's been in the heart of God for all of eternity. That is what's happening. Now, I'm all about voting your values and all of that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you we're in a major shift. And um, and so it's it's getting on with what God is, getting on the God story, and that being our, our, our primary focus is God's story. And that's why this is so incredibly exciting for me, where we are in time. What I love about your brand new book, God's End Time Temple, and your brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series you just did for us, you don't just talk about all the different encounters you've had with God and, and how you've heard from him in, through dreams and his audible voice. You teach people how they can hear from God for themselves and how they can also speak out the things that they're hearing from God, how they can um, declare it, how we're not, we are priests, so we hear from God and we're also kings, so we can declare that. And uh, you've, you've lived this out um, very practically. So tell us about that guy that was in the hospital. I think he was uh, in a coma f- for three days. So again, lived it out very practically. And um, there are keys in God's word and there are keys in this Zerubbabel's temple. This isn't just a prophetic 40 mile high um, book and audio CDs. This is how do you bring this down um, where you can be and produce a hundred fold fruit in your life. And, um, and he showed me that it's all about that, that within this temple is the reality of the king and priest lifestyle. It is the governmental authority 
with these two branches, the branch of the priest and the branch of the king. And so I really go into that in the three CDs and the book. I give practical measures how to do that. And so one of the testimonies of how to live this lifestyle is uh, uh, one of my worship leaders' husbands, a uh, husband ended up in the hospital. He actually uh, fell asleep in a car in Texas, his truck in Texas, and his his body overheated. And when he did that, his uh, brain, it, it, like his brain, basically fried, and he became a vegetable. They rushed him to the hospital, and and so over the weekend, um, he began to code, and his so all of his organs were failing, even though they put him on life support, and um, so they were keeping his organs alive, but he was brain dead, and so. Um, just incredible time. And I mean, my heart was just broken. They, they have a two-year-old daughter and I do not want my worship leader to be a widow. And so I'm talking to the Lord while washing my dishes one day. And I said to him, what are you going to do about this? And this is kind of how I talk to the Lord. What are you going to do about this? And the truth is, you know, God, every, every answer that we need is in heaven. And, and God is really wanting to move. We don't need to beg him we need to we need to partner with him as priest and king. And so, when I ask him that question, he asked me, "What are you going to do about it?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. What am I going to do about it?" And he said, "I want you to call the whole community to fast and pray for three days, and I want you to go to the hospital, lay hands on him, and tell him in three days you're going to wake up." So, I mean. I was like, you know, trying, um, and I'm just going to do what I'm told to do, you know. And so I said, all right. So that's what I did. I called this whole community, um, the community of his and, and ours, and we all started fasting and praying. And it was 24-7 around the clock. And it was, you know, an incredible time in the Lord because a lot of the people, they'd never fasted before, and not in our community, but his community. They'd never fasted before. They didn't know about this kind of two-hour prayer sets, and so it was great. We brought a lot of people into the story, and I went to the hospital, laid hands on him, and um, and uh, told him, in three days, you're going to wake up, and literally, on the third day, he woke up, and there was not one thing wrong with him. There, He did not have damage to motor skills, to verbal skills, to phys- any kind of physical damage to any organ, and the doctors even proclaimed it a miracle, so he came back from being brain dead to being perfectly whole. And um, so it was, again, what what did I do? I, I, I saw the things that were in heaven, a window opened up and I saw the things that were in heaven and I brought them down to the earth through my obedience to hearing, seeing and saying and doing. And so as I did that, I was, I was that was the governmental authority from heaven to earth, and I'm operating in that. And without doing both, priest and king, and so as the priest, I heard and I saw, and as the king, I declared these things, and I walked it out. So there's action, and there's declarations in as a king, and there's and there's hearing and listening as a priest. Wow, that's amazing. And that's very practical for the times we're living in because we're living in hard times. And sometimes people will talk about all the hard times that we're living in and all the things that they're seeing. But we can actually see what God's saying and see uh, what's going on in heaven and what God wants us to bring to earth 
and we can speak that and we can see things change. And so that's just amazing how just anyone in any any place can walk in that uh, from the house mom to a business leader. Anyone can walk in that. And so tell me about how you brought the kingdom of heaven to that prison in Honduras. Oh, that's such a crazy testimony. So uh, we were going to um, this prison in Honduras um, to see somebody who was falsely accused, and they were they were um, uncovering actually some human trafficking, and so they got thrown in this prison, it's completely innocent. And so, you know, I've been to prisons before and ministered to prisons in in the states, and you know, it's 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 a pretty interesting process. You go in, they check you in, and they put you behind. You're either behind uh, plexiglass or, and you're talking on a phone, or they put you in a room that, that have guards all around it, and you're visiting with people. You know, families are visiting with family members. And um, so, it, you know, it's a very safe uh, process. Well, so we walk into this. This is a maximum security, all men's prison in the most violent area in all of Honduras. In fact, it's like the murder capital of Honduras. And so we go there and as we're walking in, I've got my bodyguard with me. I've got my 15 year old son and and uh, three or four other people that were, were with us. And so they take my bodyguard's gun. Um, and the only thing we're allowed to bring in we're not even allowed to, I think I brought in my Bible and that was it, but we weren't allowed to bring anything else in. And so we're following the warden and I'm thinking he's taking us to a safe room and he takes us out into the general population. And I see him take us through this one room, um, take us out of the general population into this one room, which was the chapel. And I thought, oh, okay, we'll be safe in here. And then he starts taking all the chairs out of the chapel back into general population. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, oh, you can't be in this room. You have to be out here. This is, this is the room for the, the Catholics. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you have that moment of panic. Wait, what, what? You're taking out the general population. So he puts us in the general population. And these men are not like, again, shirtless. They've got the teardrops down their face. Uh, you know, they've got stab wounds and, and gunshot wounds in their chest where you can see. I mean, it's just incredible. You can imagine the scene. Well, they find out that we're there. And, um, you know, it's me and three other women. And, again, my 15-year-old son, my interpreter, and my bodyguard. And so it, all of these men start flooding out of their cells to come see what's going on. Who are these visitors? And I could feel a spirit of murder and rage and death and i mean i thought oh my gosh we're in real danger so i'm sitting there and we're kind of in this little circle being surrounded by all of these men and and i'm like praying in tongues <laughs> thinking i'm gonna die and i hear the holy spirit say i want you to preach the gospel and i thought oh yeah no that's not a good <laughs> idea no this is not <laughs> this is not the time and place and so, again, the Holy Spirit said, again, I want you to preach the gospel. And I, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to do this. And you're just kind of bending your will under the will of God. You're, I was terrified. And I said to my interpreter, we're going to preach the gospel. And, again, he was like, what? Uh, you know, and he's the same way. And my son, I tell him we're going to preach the gospel. And I stand up, and my son is, like, flanking my back. And, um, and my interpreter is standing right next to me. And so I call all of these men to come closer. And I'm thinking, what am I saying? 
And I start preaching the gospel. And so I, I talk to him about Jesus and that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus sent me to them that day. And um, and so I tell him about Jesus. And, and then I, I say these words, does anybody want to give their life to the Lord today? And nothing. They're just looking at me and I'm thinking, this is not going well. And I hear the Holy Spirit laughing. And he said, ask them if anybody needs healing. And I said, oh, yeah, 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 that's good. So I said, does anybody need healing in their body? Is anybody sick and they need healing? Jesus wants to heal you. And so finally, one guy steps forward and I'm thinking, oh, thank you. So he steps forward and I asked him what what's wrong. And I'm telling you, I laid hands on him and he was immediately healed. Immediately. He gave his life to Jesus and, and was filled with the Holy Spirit right there. Well, then another person came forward. Then another person came forward. And I had them turn around and testify to everybody else what was happening. And as they began to do that, these, these two or three men, their testimony, all of these men start forming this line where they want what these guys are getting. And, and so I began to go one after the other. I mean, the Holy Spirit is hitting them with fire, 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 fire. They're getting healed. They're getting saved. They're getting um, filled with the Holy Spirit. So then the door to the Catholic room to this uh, little cathedral opens up, and these Catholics begin to funnel out. And they, they push their way in line, and they get in the front, and they're like, what are you doing? We want what you have. And I'm like, this is the Holy Spirit. And so I so I baptize them. I, I lead them through salvation, and I baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Well, the warden finds out what's going on. He comes and starts dragging me out of this place. These people rush me. All of these men rush me. And I said, we're just going to say a corporate prayer. And I said, if you have pain in your body, if you want this, if you want this Jesus, if you want the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. And so I took him through a corporate prayer of confessing and and repenting and and giving their life to Jesus and I'm telling you about 250 of these men were saved and and healed and and I, the holy spirit fell on them and they were feeling fire corporately in their bodies and um so literally when they were dragging me out and I say dragging me he had my hand and and these men were they saw me as you know, somebody they really wanted to rape, honestly, when I came in there. But when I left, they saw me as a saint of the Most High God, and they were pulling on my shirt just to touch me. And it was, they wanted the anointing, they wanted to touch, they touched the hem of his garment, and and it was Jesus encountered them that day and I got to see the kingdom and and see this is the priest and king model that Jesus modeled for us he showed us heaven's distribution process and this is not for superstars we're all superstars we're all called to live as priests and kings to God and and it is in this new temple and he's coming to finish his work to bring a capstone generation. He's finishing up this temple and he's he's resurrecting us and pulling us out of this Babylonian captivity so we can come in the truth and rebuilding his temple in this hour so we can bring heaven's resources to earth. Because in the days that we're heading into, it is critical. It is not, it, it's no longer an option 
for us to, whether we're going to do this or not, it is critical that we have oil in our lamps as priests, and we know how to distribute heaven's resources as kings in the earth so that we can have a hundredfold fruitfulness and do greater works and do uh, great exploits in this hour of history that God, that we are rolling into right now. Wow, that's so good. And before we go, Tracy, can you pray for the listeners anything God is showing you right now? Well, Father, I thank you for what you're doing, God. I thank you. And we just say yes to the shaking that is happening in the earth right now. Father, uh, we say shake everything that can be shaken, that you said to Zerubbabel. You said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And so I thank you in this generation. You're doing it so that we will all come to the desire of all nations, who is Jesus. I thank you, Father, that there are promises that you have given to this generation that are specific, then they are beautiful and glorious, and they are going to be so supernatural. And I ask for that for everyone that is listening. Would you pour out an anointing and an impartation now that they can come into the fullness of their life as a priest? God, that you would teach them and train them how to access heaven and as a priest and how to transform the earth as a king. I am asking you, God, that you would, you would enlighten their eyes, that you would illuminate their ears, that they can, they can hear and see. And God, that they can release with understanding the words, the declarations, the decrees, Father, and the action of how you want them to work with you. I ask God that, that this understanding would lead to an explosion of faith, an explosion of belief in your word in this hour, in what you're doing, and that we would line up with your plumb line and your truth and release it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Tracy Eckert. Now here's Sid to tell you how you can get the special resource. Tracy Eckert teaches you how to be a carrier of the glory of God. In her brand new book, God's End Time Temple, and her brand new three CD audio teaching series, The Seven Steps to Hearing the Voice of God, you will learn how to hear God's voice, pray, and get answers every time. Tracy says it's normal to walk in the supernatural and miracles. More importantly, God wants you to have these same experiences as Tracy on the three CD audio teaching. On the three CD audio teaching series, Tracy prays a prayer of impartation so you can hear from God for yourself. Call now for Tracy's brand new book, God's End Time Temple, and brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series, The Seven Steps to Hearing the Voice of God, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. Remember, these steps came from heaven, and they work. Tracy Eckert's brand new book, God's End Time Temple, and brand new three CD audio teaching series, the seven steps to hearing the voice of God. Offer number 9716 for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697.
1-800-273-9897. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9716. Once again, that's offer number 9716.